Genesis chapter 7 this morning, and we're going to start writing, reading in verse 17. Genesis chapter 7 and verse 17. If you're there, shout yes. yes. If you love God, say right on. If you hate the devil, can you give me a growl? Say, Rrr. I'm showing you my age with that one, but I'm taking it. Genesis chapter 7, verse 17. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarmed the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry ground that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground. And the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him on the ark. The water flooded, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Come down to verse 6. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time it did not return to him. This is an amazing passage of Scripture that we're reading from this morning. An incredibly pivotal moment and the record of the Bible as the, the Bible records that God saw the wickedness and inclination of man's heart always towards evil. And so the Bible says that God literally decided to hit the reset button. I know you've seen a movie this year about it, and there's been a lot of commentary on the talk about this, and Hollywood has kind of dr dramatized it and adapted it and added a lot of things into it that aren't in the record of the Scripture. But essentially, what we discover about this moment in history is that God loves us so much, loves people so much, that He will prevent us from pursuing a harmful and destructive uh, course in life. He is willing to bring harmful things to an end in order to bring in something better. I don't know what you've read and what you thought about this ark, but I want you to know that when God sent an ark to the earth, Noah, the Bible says, was a preacher of righteousness. 
I mean, Hollywood has a shot at it, and I'm not saying they totally muffed it. I'm definitely saying they didn't nail it. But what I am saying is that Noah was not walking around his time in history saying, everybody, you can't get in this ark. Noah was preaching every day to a lost and broken generation saying, judgment is coming, but God has made a way. This ark was not created to destroy life. It was made to save life. Oh, we don't like to talk about it, but there is a truth that at the end of our lives, every person in the world will face the judgment of God. It's true. We serve a holy and righteous God. And if we don't like that, realize that the only reason why heaven is desirable is because there is no sin in heaven. If there is no sin in heaven, the question has got to be how? If heaven is just earth 2.0 and goodness is in heaven, flawed, blemished, we have our own standards for righteousness, don't we? We tend to look at it and we think, well, yeah, of course, absolutely. There's a reason why that guy's sin should be exposed. I mean, look at him. He embezzled money from that company. Yeah, let's put his photo on the newspaper. Let's do that. Let's put him out there. But then we have a different standard for ourselves and we rationalize sin up and down. But God doesn't. God calls sin, sin. And He doesn't want heaven to be a flawed and blemished environment. Heaven is perfect. And there's only one way that you and I gain access into heaven, and that is when our sin has been forgiven because Jesus has paid a price for our wrongdoing. And so it was that Noah every day was preaching to his generation, saying, judgment is coming, but God has made a way. This ark I have made is for you and for your families, but their lack of reception to the message meant that they did not position themselves inside the ark. Oh man, we can empathize with that because so many people, even today, when you say, hey, you need Jesus in your life, you can think, and there are people I'm sure in this room this morning who are saying, well, one day I'll get around to that, you know, putting Jesus first thing. But right now I'm gonna live my life the way that I want to. And the Bible records that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus comes back. You won't know it. They're all thinking, well, no, I'll listen to your sermon tomorrow, but I'm doing my own life today. And Noah's years of pleading didn't get him the result that he wanted. And it ended up being that only his own family were those that were saved when the judgment waters came. Noah is inside the ark. God made the ark for Noah to pass through judgment. And no matter what comes our way in life, we can celebrate because God has given us Jesus. And because of Jesus, it matters not the judgment that should be coming our way. We have found a way through the waters to the other side. The waters of, of the flood are a picture for us of death and of resurrection, of new life that we can find through Jesus. These waters are all through the Bible. The Bible says that when you're baptized, that it's like Noah's flood. You are descended into the waters. Your sin is left behind you. You come out of the waters in newness of life. God isn't hanging your past over you. He's given you a brand new start. We find that when Noah entered the ark, the Bible says, and we didn't read it this morning, but the Bible says that God is the one who shut the door on the ark and sealed Noah in. Again, Ephesians 1.13 says that when you believe in Christ, when you believe in Christ, you were sealed in Him with a seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
And it's exactly the same. How does Noah keep the waters out and how does Noah stay in the ark? The answer is God sealed him in. When you and I become a follower of Jesus, I know what we're all thinking the same question. How am I going to live this life God wants me to live? But it's not up to us. The moment we let Jesus into our lives, God seals us in. And now we find the power we need to live the life God wants us to lead through His empowerment on the inside of us. It's good, isn't it? The Bible says that then the floodwaters rose and Noah for the next 120 days is on the surface of the earth and all around Noah is chaos and disaster as an entire generation of all living things is destroyed. The water is filled with the carcasses of dead animals, with the stories of lives that could have been different, of, of chaos, of, of should have been and could have been and would have been, of things that could have gone so different if only decision making had been made differently. And my friends, the pain of regret has got to be one of the most powerful emotions that a person can ever experience. And that's why I believe that every person in this room needs to do one thing beyond any other thing in their lives, and that is to find your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When He is at the center of our lives, the floodwaters can come and life can go bad, but the promise of heaven is assured. And then God is also able to find access. He wants to help us, but we shut the door on Him when we let Him out. But when He's let in, then all oh, my friends, not only does He give us access into heaven when we die, but He is with us in the middle of, of everything we face in the here and the now. And the Bible says that eventually, the floodwaters began to recede and the ark came to rest on top of Mount Ararat. When the, the, suddenly Noah notices we've hit, we've hit ground. He waits for a while and then he thinks, you know what? If we've grounded, then hopefully the waters on the earth have receded. I, I got to make a decision. Do I let these animals out yet or not? So the Bible says that Noah releases from the ark Two birds. Now, speaking to Christians, if you have found a relationship with Jesus, then you and I have come through the floodwaters. We are now through the other side and we are in our new life in Christ. But every day, every person is making a decision between two birds, two choices, two options, two decisions, two life directions. Noah releases from the ark the raven and the dove. Our church is taking ground, moving forward. We are going somewhere we've never been before. And as we're going forward, I feel we're opening two new campuses, building a building. We're taking ground. We're starting a lot of new life groups. We're believing to go to a whole other level and children, youth, young adults, adults, community outreach, new campuses, building a church of influence for the nation of New Zealand. And as we're embarking on a, another level, I feel like God's saying, lay again some solid foundations. And I want to talk to you this morning about these two birds. The first bird that Noah releases from the ark is the raven. The raven. He releases the raven from the ark. And the Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus that the raven is an unclean animal. It wasn't an acceptable sacrifice. Israelites were not allowed to eat a raven. It was forbidden as food. 
In fact, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 13, it says about the raven that the raven is a detestable animal. Uses the word detestable. God hates, detests perhaps is a better word, the raven. The thing about ravens that you and I need to know is that ravens are carrion birds, meaning that they feed on dead carcasses, dead flesh, things that have died. They feed on those possums that you knock down in the middle of the night. They feed on those animals that have fallen to another. They feed on dead things. They feed on things that have died. They feed on tragedy. They feed on chaos. They feed on on grief. They feed on destruction. They feed on things that aren't going right. They feed on things that, that aren't good. They feed on dead flesh. We know about a carrion bird that it isn't fussy. It isn't discerning. It's just looking for any, anything dead that it can find. Any, any rotting corpse will do. Anything, anything in a person's life that isn't going right, any situation that went peer-shaped, any, any, anything that's breaking down, anything that isn't looking good, anything that we really shouldn't even talk about. The, the raven feeds on dead flesh. The raven in the Bible is a picture for us of our sinful nature. The Apostle Paul says, you know, there is a war in me, even though I have found Christ in my life, there is a war in me between a sinful nature that wills what I don't want to will and and a spirit nature that, that wills something different. And the raven is a picture for us of our sinful nature. Notice that the raven also has no submission in his life. The moment that the raven is given the opportunity, he goes his own way and he never returns. He is is a lawless creature. The Bible says, though, that the other bird that Noah released from the ark was the dove. The dove is a type in the Scriptures of of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible records that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a, like a dove. The dove is always a picture in the Scripture of the third member of the Trinity. It is a picture for us of something that God is bringing into our lives. A dove is in the Scripture not detestable. It's an acceptable offering to God. God said to people, if you sin, you offer up a lamb. And that was to teach them of Jesus, the Lamb of God. But he said, if you can't afford a lamb, then an adequate substitute, an acceptable substitute for a lamb is that any poor person on hard times can bring to God instead a dove. A dove eats seeds and fruit, seeds and fruit. And that's all it eats. The raven is indiscriminate. It's not fussy. It's just looking for dead stuff. But the dove only eats seeds and fruit. The raven is a picture of our sinful nature, but the dove is a symbol of our new life in Christ. And notice that when he was released from the ark, the Bible says about the dove that it kept coming back to Noah. See, every day in every single one of our lives, we are releasing from us either the raven or the dove. The raven or the dove. And I believe that whether we live the life God wants us to live or not is going to come back to whether what comes from us is the raven or the dove. 
The first word that Noah releases is this raven. Now remember that the Bible records that the world has just been wiped out. The earth is filled with water and rotting corpses. The raven is released into a world where dead flesh is in abundance. And the raven finds for himself food aplenty. Everywhere you walk, there's a rotting corpse. Every spare space of land, every mountaintop, every crest, every valley is filled with rotting corpses. And the raven finds food aplenty. Because ravens feeds, the raven feeds on bad things that have happened to others. It feeds on others' failures. It feeds on others' tragedies. It feeds on mistakes and disappointments. It feeds on moments where people have crossed the line. The raven feeds on the things in life that are not going well. And oh, my friends, we all know that there is a part of us that loves raven food. The raven, the raven in us is what inspires whole magazine stands filled with gossip and innuendo about people's lives and their little trivia and details and, and those little embarrassing things that people love to just elevate out. It's that, it's that little moment from that person's past that somebody wants you to know about so that you can pray. It's, 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 that, it's that little thing. It's, it's the reason why when you go on to stuff.co.nz or newzealandherald.co.nz and you start to look at the trending articles. Isn't it amazing how we have a world where ISIS is just an ever-present threat, where, where Putin and Russia are saying all kinds of different things, where terrorism is present all over the world and issues and our own you know, government changes and our own challenges and stuff going on everywhere and this world is full with defining events, Ebola crisis and all the stuff of the world. Yet when you look at trending articles, somehow ISIS gets replaced by, by some celebrity marriage that just fell apart or somebody from the block who just did whatever and you know, these little tidbits of inconsequential rubbish get somehow, get somehow more attention from the populace than genuine newsworthy events. Why is that? It's because there is a side of us that craves raven food, that gossip, that, that, that you know, in the workplace, that water cooler chatter, that Facebook junk, you know, that just, just cruises around and, you know, we're all looking at it, magazines and relationship breakdowns. The raven in us is what feeds on the destruction, the failure, the disappointment, the death that comes from the folly of others. And our world is filled with people who have started eating raven food. The raven is released from the ark and he finds just everywhere, everywhere is something that he can feed on. See, in the, in the ark, the ark's amazing. I don't know what you've seen in, in the movie Noah, but what you find is you find in the ark the will of God. Lions and lambs lay down together without animosity or one killing the other because God was watching over the ark. His presence was there. Yes, it is possible to build an environment of harmony and unity 
community, even though people come from diverse cultures and different walks of life, when the presence of God is at work amongst the people, then you can find a place, oh yeah, come on, where people are going to get along. The ravens in the ark and he's just like not loving it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he's trying to like, oh, oh, if only, if only that little thing would die. I mean, I could just, uh, there's a part of us that just craves things to fall apart. The raven is in the ark and the moment he gets out, he's like, I found freedom for my sinful nature. I found freedom for my want of chaos. Oh, he finds food aplenty. And he never returns to the ark. Then the Bible says that Noah, realizing that this bird is never going to come back, the Bible says that he releases a dove. He releases the dove from the ark. And the Bible says about the dove that it just feeds on fruit and on seeds. And isn't it interesting how the Scripture also talks about in Galatians between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit, again, symbolic of two kinds of birds. He releases this, this dove from the ark three times. The first time Noah releases the bird from the ark, the Bible says that the bird flies around, but it cannot find any place to set its foot. And don't be mistaken, my friends, into thinking that where you are doesn't count in life. Oh, it counts a lot. God said to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. We get to choose where we set our feet, but then God gives it to us. The Noah saying, the, 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 the dove is saying, I can't land on a corpse. I can't land on a tragedy. I can't endorse a bad moment. Oh man, people try and say, well, I didn't really join in the gossip. No, no, but you stayed in the circle. You didn't walk away from it. You put your feet there. Saul, Saul, before he got saved and his name was changed to Paul in the book of Acts, the Bible says he never stoned Stephen. I'm talking about with rocks. He never picked up a rock and threw it in the moment that Stephen was martyred for his faith. But the Bible does say that others took their cloaks and they threw them at Saul's feet. He was guilty by where his feet were. We're guilty in life by where we're standing. And the dove in us is that part that says, this is a conversation I shouldn't be part of. This is an article on the news that I should not be seeing. This is, this is a page of, of the internet that I shouldn't be going to. I challenge every person in this room to, to, to go on the most powerful fast you can ever go on in your life. For the next 40 days, eat no raven food. I mean, you know, let's be honest. No one buys Woman's Weekly for the recipes. And don't be throwing women under the bus because I see a lot of guys with those magazines in their hands. We all like raven food. But make a decision that you're only going to read newsworthy articles on stuff. Newsworthy. Not whether J-Lo and, you know, this person had a moment at a party or whether, you know, Kanye said whatever. Let's just, let's just forget about all that stuff. Why don't you spend 40 days of your life just deciding that you're going to eat what the Spirit in you wants to eat.
and you're never going to let your feet set. You're not going to put your feet. Someone's in a gossip conversation. You're just going to stand up and walk away. You're going to, you're going to decide not to be part of all of the rubbish, and I would love to use some stronger words, that just enslaves a generation. Hello? It just enslaves a generation with all of the stuff that we just kind of, you know, let get into our world. The Bible says about the dove that he flies around for an entire day and he says nothing, no, no, no seeds, no fruit, can't eat that, won't associate with that, not part of that. And at the end of the day, a lonely day, sometimes to get what God wants for you in your life, you have to be willing to be different to the pack. You have to be. If excellence in life was easy, everybody would have it. If a great marriage didn't require work, then we would have more marriages holding. If great churches, environments, people you wanted to spend your time with were just easy and automatic, then every church would be gossip free. But the truth is, my friends, that great decisions involve lonely days. The will of God requires us to sometimes flap around and realize that there ain't commonality. And at the end of the day, I've just got to get back to the ark. There is only one place in your life where you're guaranteed to find what God wants for you. And it's not on a television. It's not on the internet. It's not on Facebook. It's a face found in this book. This is the book of fruit and seeds. This is the book your spirit feeds on. Oh, listen, church is a place where you run to when you can't find any other food to eat. David, David, when Saul threatened to end his life, his wife lowers him down through a, on a rope in the middle of the night from the city walls. He runs for his life. Where did he run? He ran to the house of God. And then when he got there, he found a place where the, the Bible says Ahimelech the priest gave to David some bread to eat and a sword to fight with. I want you to know that even if you can't find any other place to go on earth, if you run to God, you run to church, you run to God's presence. This is a book with daily bread in it. Not only a book that's daily bread, but a sword that you can fight with. And man, we've got to make a decision sometimes in our lives that we're just not going to land there. I'm not going to land there. I'm not going to be part of that conversation. I'm not going to feed on that environment. I'm not going to be part of that dealio. I don't care what you want to talk about. I'm opting out. La, 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 la. I'm not listening. I don't need to know in order to pray. Hello? I, I, I don't eat it. I don't eat it. I only eat fruit and seeds. See, sometimes in our lives when things aren't going right, the only thing we can do is just get back to God. And what's amazing is the Scripture says about Noah, and the Bible's very specific that Noah reached out his hand and he received the dove. 
I'm telling you what, if you make a decision in your life that you're not going to eat raven food, all you're going to do is eat what the dove wants to feed on, and you're feeling like life is not going so well, I promise you, if you're living a lonely day as you're refusing to give way to gossip and all that stuff that's coming your way, and you're just saying, hey, no to some environments, people don't even like you because you won't be part of certain conversations, I'm telling you what, you will find the God who reaches out and grabs you. Scripture says that after seven days, that's why sometimes our gatherings here on, Sunday, on Sundays, obviously church is not just about these moments that we enjoy together, but there is something about these moments that we enjoy together, something powerful or the Bible wouldn't be so specific that every seven days a believer needs to be found in God's house. And the Bible says that after seven days, Noah releases this bird again. The bird flies around and as the bird is flying around, for an entire day, he doesn't find anything that he can eat. Again, yet the Bible does say that over the last seven days, something wonderful has taken place. Uh, an olive tree has begun to grow. Now, it's important to note, a couple of scriptures are going to come up on your screens. But in Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 16, the Lord called your name, your name, my name, green olive tree, lovely and of good fruit. Revelation, final book in the Bible, the last word, chapter 11, verse 4. Two olive trees and two lampstands stand before the Lord of the earth. I want you to know that olive trees in the Bible are always, not sometimes, always a picture of God's people. When these two olive trees are on either side of the throne room of God, they are to remind God of you and me. Je Jeremiah chapter 11, the Bible says that God called you an olive tree, a great olive tree, lovely and full of good fruit. Man, at the end of the day, this dove that feeds on fruit and seeds can't find a fruit, can't find a seed. And you know what he does? He says, there are no fruit. There's no fruit on this olive tree but there's a green leaf. And so even though there's not fruit yet, one day there will be. And he brought back to Noah a symbol to simply say, there's hope for this person yet. There's life in this person. There's something good around the corner. And he said, man, even when I can't find something to feed me, I'm not looking for the bad. I just, I just spent a day searching for the good. Oh man, imagine if every person in this room committed to spending their week not looking for the bad, not eating any raven food, not letting any gossip come near your mouth, but just deciding, even if this person hasn't produced fruit yet, I'm gonna come back to God and talk about the fact that one day they will, one day they might, this potential that they could. I'm going to live my life searching for praiseworthy things. You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate, murmur, discuss, ponder these things. How amazing is that? Whatever is true, not, not misleading, not maliciously spoken, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
Whatever is lovely. Come on. Not failures. Not accusations. Not rubbish. Not little, have you heard about, did you know? Whatever's, whatever's of good report, any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Say, so man, just go out looking for an, for an olive to eat, for an apple to snack on. And if you can't find one, then at least bring back a green leaf to show that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And then the Bible says that the third time, and the band can join me, is the third time that the dove is released from the earth. It never returns. See, my friends, I want you to know that there is a position of maturity that God wants every believer to get to. And it's symbolized in the three stages. Sometimes in your life, the spirit in you can't find anything to connect with. And you've just got to keep running back to God. There are other times when in our lives, nothing good is happening yet, but there is a glimmer of hope that something could. And then you've got to take that glimmer and give light to it, give hope to it, give profile to it. But you know what? When good things start happening all around, then the, uh, the, the dove begins to play a very, very powerful role in God's plan for repopulating the earth. A world has just been destroyed. One olive tree has now found its fruit and the dove begins to play its role because you know what a dove does? It eats fruit and it releases seeds. I don't know how to put it to you, you know, kind of diplomatically, but fruit goes in one way and seeds go out another way. Every gardener knows. You walk through your garden, you're like, how did that start growing there? I never planted it, but some bird in the heavens being used by God deposited it there. And the Bible's literally saying, man, this dove, this dove is gonna eat the fruit. It's gonna delight in good things. Oh, my soul, find rest in God alone. My delight is in you. I rejoice in you. I, I, I long for your word more than for my daily bread. I, I, I will not let nothing unclean come before my eyes. I couldn't care for your gossip pages. I'm out of that conversation. Don't want to be part of it. What did you say? Somebody just got healed. Tell me about it. Oh, what do you mean so-and-so came to church the other day? Let me, let me hear some more about that. And doves, doves start eating praiseworthy things. Oh, did you see? Did you see how so-and-so, man, their friend found Christ the other week. Did you hear about that amazing outreach? Oh, did you hear God's on the move? Did you hear that story? They eat fruit. They listen to good things. And then God starts causing seeds to come out of their mouth that are gonna be a blessing to others. Doves populate the earth. Doves bring blessing to their friendships. They enrich lives. They populate barren environments. When you converse with a person with a dove spirit, you feel like some seeds just got put in your heart. 
You can make it. You can overcome. Hey, don't worry about that. That's a distraction. It's just going to drag you down. You know, the Bible says that when the seed of destiny is sown into a life, the parable of the sower, the most important parable Jesus told, is all about seeds falling to the ground. Do you know in Romans chapter 1, God gives an unholy trilogy about different sins? Do you want to hear what they are? Talking in Romans chapter 1, verse 29, about people who have lost the knowledge of God, it says literally that they are gossips, they are slanderers, they are God haters. Ouch! They are gossips, they are slanderers, they hate God. That's, that's raven food. one whose soul does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth <laughs> this, to say this is a theme of the scripture is like underselling it this is the scripture praiseworthy good report noteworthy, noble be excellent about what is good be innocent of evil like my children never get to see things. They're innocent about stuff in the world. So the Bible says God wants you to be. Oh, but John, somebody will know they want because God's Spirit is a source of discernment in a life. God will, you don't need to know the rubbish to live the life God wants. Don't give way to conspiracy theories. The area that make you think you've got to know all this rubbish about whatever in order to, you don't need that. You need to feed your life. God doesn't want us living by the same rules. He wants us inventing some new ones. We're going to build people's lives that are going to defy every obstacle, rise to significance, never be bound by natural laws. Oh man, I could preach this till the cows come home. You know when David went to Ahimelech, Ahimelech gave him the sword and he gave him the loaves of bread. You know what he never gave him? Never gave him the time of day for David's hurts and disappointments. Just, just gave him something. Never validated David's hurt. Didn't dwell on his disappointment. And I believe God wants us to build the Dove Church. Dove Church. So all over the service this morning, I believe that the Lord is literally looking for you and I to become people that are going to be the Dove and not the Raven. To build a Dove Church. Imagine, imagine living with a group of people that don't delight in evil but rejoice with the truth. what kind of house that is. Let's build that house, huh? Did you hear? <laughs> Raven. Do you know? <laughs> Raven. Disgusting creatures, really, aren't they? Dove. I mean, they look cute. One's black, one's white. Like, I'm... Spirit of God in you. That's the life of Christ in you. Yearns for seeds, longs for fruit, 
wants to be a blessing, wants to speak life in a marriage situation. But the raven's there. The raven's there. Well, three weeks ago, you said, you always and you never. Choose the dove. Choose the dove. Make friends with doves. Tell the raven, you're not hanging around the raven anymore. Get away from me, raven. I'd rather flap around alone for a day than make friends with people who are just going to pull me down. You're too good for that. God's got more for you than that. Get some better people. Choose some new conversations. Lift the people you hang out with. Be known as positive, chill, hopeful Bob. Be that person that's above it all. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and John Cameron, go to arise.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at John Cameron NZ and at Arise Church.